welcome to episode 33 of The Offline Gamer. I'm Ray. And I'm Matt. And we are three years down. Yay! Yay! Happy birthday to us. Huzzah. Three years old. I know. It doesn't seem like three years. No, it doesn't. Well, I can't believe it. Three three years seems significantly more important than two years was. Why is that? I don't know. Because two years is like not as... It's like, oh yeah, a couple of years. But now you've graduated from a couple to a few. So yeah, three years and... Um... Well, Ray, you've finally gone and done it, haven't you? Yeah, I suppose. Tell everyone what you've done. I bought some magic cards. And what else have you done? Played some magic. What? Why did you decide to get into magic? I blame Day 9, a.k.a. Sean Plot, and Geek and Sundry partially, because he makes a show on Geek and Sundry called Spell Slingers, and I watched it because I liked watching tabletop on uh, Geek and Sundry, and I liked Day Nine. And I thought, oh, let's watch this, because um, it's aimed at being, you know, relatively accessible. And Day Nine, in generally, is quite accessible when he streams. So yeah, I was watching Day Nine on Spell Slingers, and uh, then I watched some of Magic: The Gathering Arena on his YouTube video. Is that the online game? Um, it's one of the games. Oh. It is It is the new one that's still in closed beta. There is Magic the Gathering Online, which I looked at and was hellishly awful, which couldn't even figure out how to like play a freaking card. Okay. Because it's that terrible. The interface is just awful. It looks like it's from the 80s. Um, so... No, no on that, but I got a beauty key for Magic the Gathering Arena as well, so I've played some of that. And I played uh, some Commander this week with some friends of ours who lent me a deck. Okay, so you, you went to Manor Lake, didn't you, I hear, on yes, Wednesday night? on Wednesday to play some Commander. Oh, very nice. What's Commander then? Is that like the you-can-play-anything-you-want sort of thing? Uh, kind of. Um, Commander, you have... A deck of a hundred, and it's commanders like the newer way of saying Elder Dragon Highlander. So Highlander means you can only have one or something. Right. So like in TF2 Highlander, you can only have one of each class. Yeah. So in Highlander with cards, you can only have one of each card in your deck. Okay. It's like having a Reno deck in Hearthstone. Ah, right. Every card has to be unique. Unique, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's that, but you have 100 cards and you have a commander who is a legendary creature who sits in the command zone and can be played out. And if it dies or moves to anywhere that's not the battlefield, it goes back to the command zone and you can resummon it for an increasing cost. Okay. And it does special extra cool abilities and synergy and stuff. Okay. Did you play your... Because you purchased a pre-built deck, didn't you? Yeah. So did you play that? No, that okay. was um, just one of the regular standard pre-constructed decks. Right. Which was the Chandra Planeswalker deck from uh, possibly M19. I can't remember. But that only has 60 cards. Ah, okay. And has duplicates of cards in. So, 
and I think because it's standard, it only has cards from standard play. So standard seems to be roughly the last year's worth of cards. Okay. These are the these are the limited things I have learned. Okay, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about your MTG adventure over the next few months. Then. Oh yes, <laughs> there's there's they're releasing a new thing at the beginning of October. Okay. So that'll probably be just in time for the next episode. Okay, cool. Let's talk about bits of news then. Have you got anything you want to talk about this month? Um, there were some interesting bits of videos and content and announcements and stuff from a few of the cons. Yeah. Mostly for video games I wanted to mention. So there was QuakeCon and they had a Doom Eternal demo play, which is on YouTube and I think it's about half an hour. There's some talking in between, but there's three main bits of demo play and it shows some really cool stuff. And like right at the very, very end of the very last section, your dude comes up with this like laser sword and then starts going in for the kill and it's like, oh my gosh, Doom with a sword. How could like, how could you make Doom better? I know, swords. Yeah. It's just like more of the same, but hyped up, isn't it? Yeah. Which is fine. Um, so, yeah, I've seen some of the some of some of the demo play, and I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing! But also, clearly, the person playing it knows exactly what is coming where. Yeah. Whereas when I play it, it will be like, oh my god, there's a thing, run away! Oh, there's another thing, run away! Oh no, I can't. No, I can't switch weapons. Which weapon is this? I don't know. Because that is the problem that I have quite a lot with games that involve uh, weapon wheels and weapon number assigning. Yeah. It's just like smash buttons until you find the weapon that you want. Right, okay. I've never had that problem. I never had that problem in original Doom or Quake because I played it so much I memorised it. Yeah. But having seen all the, you know... Uh, publicity for Doom Eternal. I have gone back to Doom from 2016 and the, the thing that confuses me is the regular shotgun and then the super double barrel shotgun. Mm. So to me, the double barrel shotgun should be like number three or something. Yeah. Like it like it was, I think it was number two in original Doom. Because you had the pistol, the shotgun, shotgun yeah. the chain gun, etc. Whereas it's not, because it's like the weird little lasery thing, regular regular shotgun, like a combat shotgun, mm-hmm. and then the super shotgun's like number seven or number eight, because it's, you know, higher powered than a plasma rifle, but not as good as a rocket launcher. Mm. I'm like, can't you just put the shotguns together? That would be less confusing. Well, they generally do it in the order you pick them up in the game, though, don't they? So. Uh, well, I picked up the super shotgun way before I picked up the sh- chain gun. Okay. I didn't pick up the chain gun until quite late. And I've only just picked up the BFG. Because it takes me ages to play games. Yeah. Well, we know this. Yeah, considering it came out two years ago and I haven't finished it yet. Um, so then there was also Gamescom has been since our last recording. And there are a couple of things that interested me, but I thought I would mention the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Well, you've spoken before about how Spyro was one of your favourite games growing up. Yeah, when I was a kid. 
and it is one of the games that is going to go on my list of um, reasons that a PS4 is more preferable to an Xbox. Yeah. Because there's going to be that um, and a couple of other things that are going to be PlayStation exclusives or have already been PlayStation exclusives, which I prefer over some Xboxy stuff. And then I suppose we have to mention CD Projekt Red of The Witcher fame. Mm-hmm. They finally dropped a very extensive gameplay preview of Cyberpunk 2077, which was a bit insane. Yeah, it yeah, was. It's a bit cray cray. Crazy good, but you kind of expect nothing less at this point from those guys. Yeah, actually, a few days ago, they also gave a preview of the, the big Gwent update that's coming as yes. well. Gwent Homecoming. Yeah. They've completely redesigned the board, and I think there's only two um, slots on your side now. You know, yeah. it used to have ranged and then uh, melee, and then there was another one. I forget what the third one was. Oh, like machinery type yeah, stuff. Yeah, but now they've cut it down just, to just two. So but I never really okay. played that much past, you know, I think I've in like the last year I've had about like four or five hours of playtime. Yeah, I haven't played it much because I never, I don't really get. I didn't really play it much in, in the Witcher games, mm. so I don't really... I had to learn how to play Gwent by playing the Gwent standalone game. And then when I went back to the Witcher to play Gwent inside the Witcher, it's different because the rules are slightly different. Yeah, because the they've evolved game. them in the stand, yeah. standalone game. <clears throat> I mean, the um, the onboarding process for new players wasn't that great, so I'm hoping they improve that. Yeah, yeah. Um but some of the, the graphics for the new stuff in Gwent also looks pretty sick. Yeah. Peng. Peng. That's the, a, the new thing, is apparently I've been told by some of the kids at work. Yes. Peng Peng has been around for a couple of years. Has it? Oh, yes. okay. Um, there was a guy who went who did a YouTube series. I think he's now on either like E4 or BBC3 or something. Basically, a guy made a YouTube series where he went around London chicken joints looking for the Pengist Munch. Okay. And it's, it is quite funny. Uh, great. Basically, it's, it's looking, <laughs> looking for the best chicken. Yeah. The, peng, the Pengist chicken. Peng, Pengist chicken food. Yum. Okay. Yes. There we go. What's is next it, in... Is, well, well, you've also got all these silly words like, oh, it's crispy and crunchy and buttery. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've seen some streamers who started using buttery and I'm like, but why? But why? I've been exposed to buttery before from skateboarding videos that Chris, Chris watches. Oh, okay. And I just sit there going, but why? Why buttery? Why crunchy? Why crispy? Why any word, really? yeah. You've put something down here about a new board game coming out soon. What's that all about? Well, I only put this down because you sent me a link to it in WhatsApp. Did I? I think so. It was either you or Gareth, but there's going to be a Tomb Raider board game. Oh. Um, I don't know much more than that. No. Although there is, the latest Tomb Raider video game is also very shortly about to come out on consoles. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's coming out on PC at the same time or not. Was it will do the same as they did with the last one and uh, have it come out like six months later? 
But I haven't finished the last one, so that's fine. So it's Tomb Raider Legends, apparently. It's been developed by Hobby Japan and been published by Square, obviously, mm-hmm. Square Enix. Uh, it's a competitive showdown between four of the shooting, swinging, treasure hunting heroines incarnations from across the years. From her original PlayStation 1 era polygonal persona to the grittier survivalist of the recent trilogy. Is one of them going to be basically Angelina Jolie? I don't know. It says from the. It just says from incarnations. There is a picture, but you can't. It's not a very big one. Oh no, it is. It's um. It's the games. Look, you've got the original one, ah, and then you've okay. got the ones from about the two thousands, then the mid two thousands, and then the current. Yeah. The current one. So hmm. So you're all playing different versions of Lara Croft. Intriguing. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll keep our eyes over that. It says it's due for launch in the first half of next year, so... Who will be the lara Rest Croft? <laughs> yeah. The Croftiest Lara. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what we've been playing and buying since the last episode. Um, I haven't done a lot of playing, but uh, what I have played has been mainly computer gaming. I've decided to go back and work through my Steam library and work on a few things valiant yeah and the top of my list was black mesa Mm -hmm. which was the fan remake of half-life one yes in the source engine Mm -hmm. so i think i'm about halfway through that uh, at the moment i'm not sure last time i i saw they hadn't finished the zen part of the game so the only part of the game you can play is the earth part but i think i'm about halfway through that i've just um did you ever play the original half-life no oh okay then there's no point in me explaining to you where I am, because you won't know. Someone listening might know. They might do. I've just got to the bit where um, I'm not long after where the military first come in. Okay. So I think that's about halfway through the Earth portion of and the like game. Most people listening have probably played it. The original half. Well, it's 20 years old at this point, and depending on how old people are... Is it 20 or is it a bit more? 98 it came out. Oh, okay. I remember buying it, and I went to a local Staples store and purchased it. Yeah, see, I went from, like, Doom, Quake... Age of Empires. Oh, okay. So you diverted away from first-person shooters at that? Um, yeah, because we went to Age of Empires and then we had a PS1 and we got like Medal of Honor, the original one. Oh, okay. One of those car games we basically just purposefully smash into stuff. Spyro, obviously. Yeah. Um, Devil May Cry, that sort of thing. And then I sort of came and did more first-person shooters when I was a bit older. Yeah, but uh, Black Mace is a good a good homage to the original, I'd say, yeah. and it has all of the little things that made the original one so good. Like you can be walking around, and the G Man will just be behind a window somewhere, mm. and then he'll walk off, but you can't follow him, and so he'll just turn up randomly. And um, I think they're using a lot of the original lines of dialogue, but I think they've also got some people to record because the problem with the original Half Life was every security guard and scientist you met was the same one mm. and in Half-Life 2 they said oh that's Barney that's Dr. Kleiner but it's like if you went back and played the first Half-Life there's like 50 Dr. Kleiners because you keep yeah. encountering him so they've, they've I guess they've had to record some like just random one-liners for all the various different scientists and people that yeah. you encounter but it's good I, I enjoy it and it's so far it seems very faithful to the original most of the level layouts are not identical, but close enough that mm. it, it feels like the, the first game again. So that's pretty much all I've been playing for the last few weeks because I've just been 
catching up on a lot of TV and stuff that I've uh, got behind on. So. Mm. What have you been playing other um, than Doom? Because you've told us about I've mentioned that. mentioned Doom. And magic. And some magic. Um, I've also, at one point, as I've been still, I think I've mentioned this before, having difficulties with my internet provider. Oh, yes. Uh, where the internet drops out randomly, repeatedly, and occasionally for many hours. I In one of these slots of internetlessness decided to finally play the Adventure Pals. Oh, yes, that's that 8-bitty 16-bit game type thing we yeah, saw at EGX. Yeah, that we saw at EGX two years ago, I think. Uh, and I pre-ordered at that stage. Yeah, because uh, I didn't go last year, so it was yeah. two years ago. Uh, I didn't go last year either. Um, so it was it was the one that we went, that was two days before my wedding. Oh, yes, um, I remember. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, no, no, no parents, please don't come up on the Saturday because we won't be there. Why? What are you doing? We're going to a games con. Uh, isn't that a bit close? Nah. That's fine. Whatever. Actually, speaking of which, two weeks today, we'll be there again. Yes, we will. On the, is it the 22nd? 23rd? 22nd. We're doing, yeah, we're doing the Saturday. So we're recording yeah. this obviously on Saturday the, what's the date today? Eight? The 8th, yes. Eight. Uh, so two weeks time we'll be there on the Saturday for more EGX. I'm not sure what I actually want to see at EGX this year. No, I'm not. Because they haven't really released a lot that's particularly exciting. But hopefully the indie part the of indie it will stuff have lots is, of good stuff. Which is where we found the Adventure Pals last time. Yeah, good segue. Yes. Um, and I think I played about three hours of it. And it is just as bizarre as I remember. But fun. But fun. But bizarre. Like, um, I believe I remember talking about this two years ago and how... If you want to do like a, a long, slow descend, um, the giraffe that's in your backpack with its head sticking oh, out. Oh, he, f- he goes around, he, doesn't he, 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 like he, a helicopter propeller? No, he, he flicks his tongue round as oh. a helicopter oh, propeller. Yeah. Um, but later on in the game, you also get a pet rock that you can throw at stuff, and the giraffe can also like zoom its neck out and bite stuff. And yeah, it's just it's weird. There's a guy who's who's looking for his wife, and you find his wife, and it's a pig. <laughs> but this is also a man who sells bacon. Like he has a little he has a little stall in the little villagey checkpointy thing that says like bacon on the sign, and his wife's a pig. I've got past the first section of areas, and I'm into the second section. But at that point, it was about half eleven, and I thought I probably should go to yeah. sleep. Was it a work night? I don't think it was a work night. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was. I think it was a Friday. Oh. Um, but I have had that since about March when it officially released. So it did take a year and a half after I pre-ordered it to actually get to me. Yeah. So I think you know, me taking six months to play it is fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I did at one point just sort of go, "Hang on, didn't I? Didn't I?" I'm sure I bought that game. And I emailed them and I was like, have you released the game yet? And they were like, no, no, we haven't. I'm like, oh, okay. That's fine. I was just wondering. <laughs> I just hadn't heard anything for so long. I've also been playing, as I said, Magic the Gathering Arena, which does give you the ability to try different styles of magic because it rotates things. So you can do quick plays, 
you can do drafts, you can do competitive stuff and some events. Um, so I had a go at making a deck for pauper, which basically means you can only use common cards. Oh, I see. Um, and I got, I went 2-2, two, two, mm. which considering I know nothing about magic, building magic decks or pauper, I thought that was okay. Um, it's fairly easy to do daily quests and get gold. There's opportunities for like five or five or more different quests a day, which is a bit more than Hearthstone, and a bit more. The rewards are slightly higher, but then the buy-ins to some of the events are slightly higher. Yeah. What else have I been playing? Oh, the new League expansion of Path of Exile came out last week. Yeah. So I've been playing some of that. And Chris has been playing a lot of that. Yes. From what I gather. Yes. Um, he's upstairs playing now. And, oh, I think we, we've played a bit of stuff on um, Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. We did. We spent one evening just playing random games, didn't we? Yeah. But we did play two, which... Uh, well, one of which was uh, something new, and one which was a rehash of something we've already played. Yes. Um, so we had to go at Binding Rise at Four Souls which obviously I backed physical copy of. Yeah. Um, and we, it was a bit difficult trying to figure out how it worked. in yeah. table. I find Tabletop Simulator, if it's not a really simple game, it's a real faff to figure out because there's so much physicality in games and like, you must place this deck here and this deck here and this deck here. And there's about five different decks in Four Souls that you have to put in different parts of the place and then there's monsters and then... You get this item, but not that kind of item. And this one's called loot, and that one's called yeah. trinkets. And I'm like, oh, this hurts my brain. But I think we figured it out. We did eventually. It took us a bit of time to get the decks in the right place. And I think it took us more time to figure it out than it took to play. Yeah, that game we played didn't last very long. I don't know if yeah. that's because we weren't playing it right. Yeah. But I think that just the two of us, we had a game done in ten minutes, didn't we? Yeah. So I don't know whether it'll make more sense... When we actually get with it. the actual physical copy and a proper rule book, yeah, yeah, because the rule book wasn't particularly clear. And then we also played Cat Love Letter, which, which is, is just yeah, Love Letter with cats. Love Letter with cat faces, cats dressed up in silly, not real cats, pictures like art, arty cat, yeah, illustrations. Um, and apart from that, I bought a copy of A Thool. Thanks to Vince and Matt for providing and collecting. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you're the only person who's got a copy. Matt, are you going to Warsaw anytime soon? Smile, smile. Blink, blink. Um, and we've had, a, we've had a quick game of that this afternoon as yeah, well. Yeah, I like that. I wasn't sure what... Honestly, I didn't really know a lot about it, other than the fact yeah. that everyone was, was buying it. But... Um... It sort of reminds me, and I, and I know mechanically it's not the same, but the way you're putting the tiles in a grid, it, that sort of reminds me of Sagrada. Yeah. I think it's kind of strange that both of them came out at a similar time. Yeah. Both have done really, really well. Because you would think that only one of them would sort of do really well. Yeah. But I think because they, they're so different mechanically, they play so differently. Yeah. I think there's enough room for both of them. Oh, Yes. So that's what you've bought. I've bought two, well, I, well, four things really. Three of them you can lump together. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I bought, which was just something on its own, um, you were browsing around in Birmingham 
Was yes. it last week, weekend before, a couple uh, of weeks ago? A couple ago. of weeks ago. It was when I bought the magic cards. So. Yeah. And uh, you're in Forbidden Planet and you spotted that there was a few copies of Ether Wars from Burning Games in there. Yes, which, on sale as well. Yeah, on sale for £5 off. Which, um, when I got your message within an hour, I was in Birmingham buying my own copy. Yes. So I just rushed down there and got it. Um, Ether Wars we played at UKG, was it last Was that last year? We yeah. Had a, yeah, and we spoke to Jan and he gave us a nice demo of the game. Didn't buy a copy last year and then this year they didn't have any copies to sell there yeah uh, and I couldn't find any on like eBay or Amazon there was just uh, a couple of people on Board Game Geek selling it for like 40 45 pound yeah um, but then this was 29.99 with 5 pound off so 25 pound yes please thank you very much mm-hmm. that's Ether Wars I haven't even opened it yet it's still sitting in the boot of my car because hmm. I don't have anywhere to put it so yeah I'll, once I played that I'll, I'll report back and mm-hmm. you know what I think and the other thing is I bought um, Star Trek Flux yeah, and Star Trek Next Generation Flux and the bridge expansion. So obviously the, the, the core game is fairly straightforward, standard Flux, but with Star Trek characters uh-huh. mostly. Um, I've done an unboxing video actually, which I haven't yet put on YouTube, but um, that shows you all the various art, art on all the different characters and things like that. And the, the, I think the original series game has got... Klingons and Romulans and the second the next generation game has got like uh, Cardassians and uh, some, something else the, the, the enemies are different in both of them so you can mix the two together and you do that with the bridge expansion because mm. it gives you like extra goals for having like both captains and things like yeah. that yeah okay so it's it's Flux with Star Trek characters and I like Star Trek I like Flux I like Star Trek Flux mm. Simple as. So I suppose the last thing we've been, we've also both played uh, is Beasts of Balance. Yes, we played that today. We've also got a dedicated video for Beasts of Balance where you can see us playing um, because Sensible Object were kind enough to send us the base game and a couple of the new add-on packs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was going to call it a quick play video, but I think yeah. we've got like 45 minutes of footage, so I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. We, well, it was quick play... I mean, the game itself on the box says up to, you know, average 15 minutes. Okay. And we did do... Tutorial. You know, like, tutorial, some messing around with the base game, then messing around with one set of the add-ons, and then messing around with another set of the add-ons. So there were little quick plays, just many of them. Um, So keep your eyes peeled on YouTube for that. Yeah. Short version is, though, we liked it. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's a surprise because we said we liked it when we played it last year at UKG. Yeah. So. Oh, before we move on to Kickstarter Corner, I've just remembered something else I've purchased. What's that? It's something I bought on eBay. Oh, what did you buy on eBay, Matt? Well, I finally managed to get my hands on a relatively reasonably priced copy of Hero Quest. Dun, dun, dun. So I am well looking forward to playing that. To uh, And now I'll actually know what I'm doing as opposed to 10-year-old me sort of flaining around, not really understanding the rules and mm. just playing with the little figures. <laughs> yeah. So, But to to those people who may not know the importance of Hero Quest, Hero Quest is sort of like one of these Holy Grail games yeah. at the moment. Well, it has been for quite a while. It has been, and, and prices on eBay have been going over £100, although they do seem to have dropped a little bit in the last few months. So yeah. I picked up this one for £70, and it is basically 
complete and in perfect condition. There's a few pencil marks inside the book, which is fair enough. That's going to happen. Mm. Um, and one of the, there's a, the figure, not one of the figures, the, um, one of the pieces of furniture is like an armory and one of the, there's like an ax that comes out of it and the ax is bent. Ah. Other than that, it's in, it's in pretty much perfect condition. And I was thinking about asking someone to paint some of the figures as well. Oh, okay. Properly. No, I'm not yeah. going to try and do it because I'd mess it up. But someone could probably yeah. do it quite well. Even if it's just the heroes, you know, to give them a bit of... Pop. Yeah. It's just a shame it's never been reprinted, but I understand there's issues with the rights because obviously it was sort of a joint thing between MB Games and Games Workshop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who owns the rights to it now? So... Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move over to Kickstarter Corner then. Yes. Um, lots of arrivals and things and things we've backed this month. Yes. Well, not so well, much arrivals, but we've. I well, I certainly have backed quite a bit. I backed one thing. And I backed five things. I think I've put some things on stars. I've starred some things, um, and I'm debating. But uh, I've only backed one thing, which is called Inlight. Mm. which is sort of a 2D kind of digital... Well, it's a video, you know, digital video game, PC, whatever, Steam. Um, And the... You you basically are a guy or, you know, a person, whatever, who seemingly has beams of light coming out of his hands, like fire whatever um and you have to survive uh waves of shadowy dark things trying to extinguish you and uh over overrun you and the they've styled it so it's a bit sort of like azteki mayan kind of you you're like a azteki mayan god type right, person okay. who can produce light and burn the darkness away. Is it um third person, first person? No, it's side scroller. It's two uh, D. Okay. So you're looking at the screen and you're looking at your dude like face on, mm. and you sort of go. I don't know how to put this in the words. <laughs> Ray's just waving her hands around emphatically. So yeah, um, if you go and look it up, you'll understand what I mean because there's a video on there. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was only ten Swiss francs, which is about eight quid, to get the game. Oh, that's okay. So I thought that that was fair enough. Um, and they have funded. Uh, I think it's actually I think it's finished as well. Okay. But yeah, I have backed that. Uh, two minor ones that we talked about last month. So the first was Incoming Transmission, which is by Magic Maple Games, who are the people who made Fire of Eidolon and Overworld. Um, this is just the next one in there, like 16-bit star games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, if you want to know more, you just listen to last month's episode. And the other one was actually one that you put as one of your ones to watch. But as we were talking about it, I did say I'll probably end up backing it. Yeah. And I did. And that's Call to Adventure, the game where you're building a hero mm-hmm. and coming up with their backstory and, and things like that. Yeah. And the more we spoke about it, the, just the more, more it appealed to me. So, yeah, I've backed that. Next up is Bargain Quest. Now, this is... Well, I'm a big fan, or I was. I don't watch it so much these days, but I used to watch a lot of Bargain Hunt. Okay. My brain tells me this is just basically Bargain Hunt, but in a sort of fantasy world. 
Well, I know it's not quite that. Yeah. But the name says that to me. But essentially what it is is um, everyone's playing like an owner of a shop. Mm -hmm. And you have to sell your goods. And the way you sell your goods is by enticing adventurers into your shop. Yeah. But for some of the goods, you have the option of putting them in the window. So you've got choices. Do you put this lovely, expensive sword in the window to encourage people into your shop? Mm-hmm. But then you can't sell them that sword because it's in your window. Yeah. So what do you what do you use it as? To sell or to entice people? Yeah. Or do you put some cheaper stuff in the window, which might but it won't attract the best heroes in? Yeah. So I I, I like the theme, and I like the uh, what I've read of it and how it plays. I I like the look of it. Hence why I backed it. So that's Bargain Quest, and that actually funded quite well. Um, they wanted thirty thousand dollars, and they got three hundred ninety-two thousand dollars. Yeah, so that's pretty good. So now they've got a lot more work to do than they first expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next up is uh, Microbrew. We talked about this on our UKG episode this year. Yes. This is from One Free Elephant, and this is their small game in a in a little tin box. Um, that's all about brewing beer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of these little micro games coming out now, isn't there? Yeah. I mean. Mintworks and its new... I forget the name of the sequel, but it's got the new sequel out now. Yeah. That seems to have sort of ignited ignited it, because I've seen quite a few games that were in little yeah, boxes like that. Yeah, in the little, like, Altoids-sized mint tins. Yeah. Because I've had, I think, un, I had Undermine, which isn't in a tin, but it's very dinky, which is also very small as well. But yeah, I have noticed quite a few. You can pack a lot into one... Tiny little tin. Yeah. Surprisingly, quite a lot. So this is uh, currently still going, and it's still got a good three weeks left, because um, I backed it pretty much straight away. Yeah. Not completely straight away, though, um, unlike the next one we'll be talking about. But, um, I mean, this is already funded. They've got over a 1,000 backers. So, um, yeah, if you like the idea of a small two-player game, that's the other thing that appealed to me as well. It's just two players. Yeah. So that's good. But you are, yeah, just trying to win customers by brewing the best beer. Mm-hmm. And last of all, it's something I've been eagerly awaiting for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And that's the Dale of Merchants Collection. Finally. Finally here. It did happen. It, did, it has happened. So it's another set of cards for Dale of Merchants, another more sets of animal folks. Dale of Merchants, for those of you who don't know, is the deck building game where you're trying to build a store, a market store, by putting stacks in front of you. The first stack has to equal one, the second stack has to equal two, etc. Yeah. Uh, and it's set in this fantasy world where all of the animals are, are, are like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anthropomorphic. Anthropom- Anthropom- yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And um, uh, there's like different decks. So in the first game, you had six different animal folk, mm. and then each of them has is their own style of play. So when you make when you play the game, you mix different decks together, and so every game is different. Then the expect the second one came out, which can be played standalone, but you can also mix all the decks together. This one is not Dale of Merchants three, although that is apparently coming. Mm-hmm. This is a nice big box that you can use to store Dale of Merchants one, two, and three in, mm-hmm. and it also comes with a new set of animal folk as well, and some new mechanics for the game. Um, the main one being there are 
um, character cards that you can that each player can have, and I think there's like twenty or thirty of them um, that give you special abilities. Oh, okay. So you could have one of those. Every every player has one of those, and it adjusts the way you play the game. Yeah. So. So yeah, I've been eagerly waiting this, and Sammy, the creator, was posting on you know Twitter that it's going to be twenty four hours until it launches, and I was sitting there eagerly awaiting, mm. and uh, I am back at number one. Yep. Well done. And he said to me, he said, oh, you beat my friend who wanted to be the first backer. I said, well, too bad. You snooze, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, again, has got, um, still got, that's only launched a few days ago, so there's still three weeks left on that. Yeah. So, but again, that's already well-funded, um, 150% funding, so I can't, can't wait. And um, actually, his other game, Dawn of Peacemaker, should be shipping soon as well, yeah. so... Um, Looking forward to playing that as well. I think literally every game this guy's put out so far, I've bought. Yeah. And we've even got one that he's been involved in because we realised when we did Petricor that he did the uh, the rule book and some yeah. of the art for that, didn't yeah. he? So I have awesome. high hopes, and it'll be good for me to be able to store all of the um, the games in one box as well. Yeah. And it'll even come with little dividers, so you can put so you can find all the decks easy. Yeah. So they're all split up, and oh, it's just lovely. <laughs> I'm just oh you can tell I just can't yeah, wait very excited so what have we had arrive um, nothing to come for you has it no I've only had one arrival but it was a big one yep it was Brass Birmingham edition Woo. which I've unboxed um, haven't got the video up yet but I have done it oh it looks nice everything in there is so lovely great quality and yeah you know the little poker chips or the iron clays as they are um, they're really weighty and mm. good quality. The board is lovely. And um, I've shown it to a few people at work and they are um, obviously because it's based in the local area. Yeah. I still don't know if it should have been called Brass Birmingham. I, I thought it would have been called Brass Black Country or something like that. Yeah. It's all about that, the coal industry and things yeah. like that. Yeah. I guess internationally, not that many people are going to know what the Black Country is. I mean, like... And, the, the, and even like... Within the UK, people know what what Birmingham is, yeah, but they don't necessarily know what the Black Country is. But I mean, Birmingham is in the middle, but then you've got, it goes up as north as like Stafford and past Derby, past that, and Derby yeah. yeah, and Southton, Uneaton, and Coventry. You know, they're not yeah. part of Birmingham really. So, but saying yeah. that, they're not part of the Black Country either because that was mainly like Warsaw, Dudley, Dudley, that sort of area. Yeah. So, I don't know what else they would have called it to be honest. I can understand why they've called it Brass Birmingham. You know, like Brass Midlands. Midlands, yeah. Because everyone's called Lancashire. Yeah. Oh, well. It has arrived. I've unboxed it. I have not played it. I have looked at the rules. It's going to be a fun one to figure out how to play. To interpret. Yeah. Well, I haven't had anything arrive. Oh. Um, I did have uh, an update from one of the things that is en route. Um, which was rather interesting. Um, and it was an update from Ravine. So you may remember that's the one where basically you've shipwrecked or crash landed on an island and you've got to survive the night, yeah. um, that sort of thing. So I had an update from those guys as to why Ravine hasn't come yet or hasn't got to people yet. And interestingly, it's actually because of uh, politics. Oh. So import taxes have been imposed on America. So all of the larger companies in America have rushed to get 
their things imported. So then smaller companies like games companies, yeah. people doing Kickstarters and small runs of things, they have found it very difficult to get spaces on the boats coming out of China and coming into the docks in America. Mm-hmm. Because all of the big companies are just going, quick, bye, 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 get everything over here quickly before the tax comes in. Um, and so I believe it took them quite a while. Well, it took them longer than they had expected to get a space on a boat to get Ravine over to the States or just, you know, out of China. Yeah. And because of that, it's still on the boat or it was still on the boat at the time of the update. And then the problem when they get to America is that now there's like like backlog of yeah. shipping shipping container uh, ships. What's the word I'm trying Like transport ships. There's just backlog and backlog and backlog. Because yeah. obviously the harbours can only take so many of yeah. those massive things. And the docks can only take so many containers and you can only ship them out so so fast onto trucks. So now there's a huge backlog of stuff sitting out at sea, just like idling, waiting to be cleared to come in Mm -hmm. to port to then unload the stuff to then continue on their journey. So there's this huge sort of chain of fail, basically, that's been caused by um, import taxes being imposed on the US. So I don't know how many of our games have, may, or will be affected by that. But uh, sadly, reality does intrude on our hobbies now and then. Oh, how dare it. Terrible things. So basically, can everybody in America please remember to go and vote in your midterms (laughs) to get rid of you-know-who so that the rest of the world stops hating you so much so that we can all have our games faster. Yeah. Thanks. If that's not a reason to go and vote, what is? Okay, let's talk about our ones to watch. Mine are easy. I actually haven't put any down, which is good because I've spent too much money this month on Kickstarters. Yeah, I've been fairly good this year Hmm. so far. I have actually. It's just the last month that it's been quite... Yeah. Lots of things have come at the same time. I know. But then I was looking for, you know, things to put on the ones to watch list this time and I was sort of struggling and I put a couple of things on and I was like yeah but I don't actually like I'm not moved to buy these myself yeah so kind of what's the point of putting them on the ones to watch um so I went through starring stuff and then unstarring it and so on or it's not starring anymore it's saving saving clicking the little heart logo um, and some, some of some of which have come up and gone. Oh, it's forty eight hours left to back this, and I've gone. Oh yeah, meh. I'm like, obviously, I didn't care that much because that that would be that that's the thing that I'm learning. If I have forgotten it by the time it reminds me, it's forty eight hours left. Chances are, you're not interested. I wouldn't in have it. been that bothered about it. Yeah. Whereas previously, I might have just gone, yay, buy that, and then gone, oh yeah, I bought that. Why did I buy that? So this month I've got one that I've popped on there purely because it's an expansion to a very, very popular game, which I kind of now wish that I had backed originally. Well, I've got it on the way, so that's fine. Although actually I was going to give my copy to someone else. Oh, that's okay. Um, Which is Unstable Unicorns Control and Chaos, which is the expansion. 
And I've seen some um, very nice arrangements of the collection of all the cards, like in colour order or stacked up nicely, like the Dale of Merchants Actually, collection. it's not new. It's not Unstable Unicorns I've got coming. It's a different unicorn-themed game. I'm yeah. sure it is. Because Unstable Unicorns has already arrived for people. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm getting confused with unicorn games. It Mine's a, yeah. a completely different one. Yeah, so Unstable Unicorns, the, the first one, I think was a Kickstarter last year and people have got their copies now. But not, you know, not a super long time ago. Fairly recent still that people had it. And then Control and Chaos is the new expansion. Yeah. Which looks quite fun. Uh, yep, yeah, and the art is similarly sort of crazy candy, super poppy, bright colours. Yeah. Mad cartoons as as obviously the original game. Um, so that looks quite fun. Uh, the other one that I've got on my one to watch is a game called Welterweights, which is a card programming game where you're programming a boxing match, I think. Okay. So similar a little bit to Colt Express, where you're going to be programming your moves and then your opponent programs their moves and then... Once you've programmed all your moves, you play them back out. Yeah. Um, but in a boxing match. Flag dash is like that as well. That's yeah. got some programmable movement. Uh, and I sort of, I sort of um, put this on my ones to watch because I had a very similar idea for a game, and then I was like, "Oh, somebody's already done it! Wow, boohoo!" Because oh. I keep, I keep having ideas for games, and then. I'll look at Kickstarter or we'll go to the expo and go, oh, someone's already done it. Balls. <laughs> oh, well. Never mind. But yeah, them's my two ones to watch. Okay. Before we move on to our um, feature this month, on the crowdfunding topic, we've been banding around some ideas about running a campaign of our own, haven't we? Yes, we have. Probably on Indiegogo, just to basically pay for some of this. <laughs> The amount of money we've been spending over the last couple of years. So we've been trying to come up with some ideas of like things we can give people to say thank you for backing us. So if anyone out there has got any ideas about what they would like to see and how much they might want to spend, how much they want to give us, um, then just let us know. We'd be interested to see what people people think. Yeah. If we were to run a crowdfunding campaign, would you even want to give us any money? That's the uh, the main question, I suppose. Yeah. For you know, year four. Yeah. To go forward, in, I'm saying four too much now. <laughs> to go forward into year four, yeah. From our crowdfunding campaign, would you like to give us some money? Yeah. Or pledge to uh, support the expansion of the offline gamer? Yeah, more videos, more yeah. things, more features. Yeah, we'd like to expand and do some more bits and pieces that aren't just the podcast. Yeah. Itself. Um, and obviously the running costs and equipment and all sorts of things. Yeah. Fun stuff. So now we'll move on to our topic of the month. And we've actually got an interview with someone this month. Woohoo! And uh, this is the noble artist, Mr. Jamie Noble Fryer, who yes. has upcoming on Kickstarter soon his game Hero Master, an epic game of epic fails. So you may remember we talked about Hero Master during our UKGE Roundup episode. Um, we didn't really go into it in too much depth because, one, we didn't get a chance to play it because every single time we walked past his booth, he was really busy. Yep. And we knew we'd be having an interview with him. So 
he can do a much better job of explaining the game than we can. So we had a chance to have a chat with him not long ago, and uh, he talks about the game, his gaming background, and uh, yeah, what his planning plans for Kickstarter are. So without further ado, let's listen to that, and we'll see you on the other side. So we're now joined by the noble artist himself, Jamie Noblefriar. Hi, Jamie. Hello. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, so Jamie is a graphic designer from Sussex who is currently working on his first game, Hero Master. Um, That's right. Yep. So our first question is one we ask to everybody. Uh, what is your gaming background? My gaming background? Well, um, I have always been into both video games and um, board games, but probably my, my kind of first um, kind of real kind of gaming experience which got me very excited was Warhammer when I was probably about 10 I think uh, and then fortunately for me I had some very generous parents that that Christmas uh, the Warhammer Fantasy Battles box set was under the Christmas tree which basically blew my mind and in fact also and I was very very lucky this year uh, I was also given Battle Masters I don't know if you've played Battle Masters which is basically like an old GW game um, which was kind of like a hex kind of version of, of Warhammer like with sort of simplified rules and stuff and that was amazing and I still I'm trying to get my hands on a copy because it's out of print now uh, I'd love to have a nostalgic blast on that again um, so that's probably how I got into um, kind of gaming um, that was kind of beyond the game of life monopoly uh, I think maybe maybe risk like kind of like was the sort of like tipping like kind of into into then kind of like something kind of a bit deeper to, to, to sort of Warhammer and stuff but um, yeah that was that was pretty cool uh, and then from there, kind of uh, uh, did some some Dungeons and Dragons stuff, like kind of for like, for, for a few years and, and uh, into my teens. Um, and I mean, I haven't played for such a long time. I've sort of back in my twenties again, uh, some friends and I got to to kind of to, to play some, but the, the campaign the campaign never really lifted off because everyone had jobs and stuff, and it's difficult to kind of stay in touch. But um, yeah, so I think kind of my major kind of board game uh, sort of renaissance, I suppose, was when I started working at a video game company as an artist. And we play a lot of war games at lunchtime, kind of once you can squeeze in, so like King of Tokyo and stuff, and uh, we play some Dominion and, and bits and pieces. And I was like, whoa, hang on a second. There's actual kind of like standalone board games that you can play, which will last for, you know, X amount of time uh, and not be kind of like a huge collector's game like Warhammer. I was, I was pretty impressed. So I uh, began to look into it more, uh, listened to a lot of Shut Up, Sit Down, um, started to kind of tailor my tastes um, uh, with... Um, Kind of, I enjoyed their show, so kind of like went to see kind of what they what they liked. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that I, I like everything they like, but kind of it gave me a bit of a grounding. Um, so I bought uh, Mage Knight and I bought City of Remnants and stuff and and, and various other bits and pieces, and uh, yeah, built up my collection that way. So, um, sorry if that was a long history of Jamie's gaming, but that's all right. Um, but yeah, Mage Knight is probably still the game that hits the table the most consistently. Um, Sort of for me because I've, you know I've got a friend who's interested. I'd, I'd love it to be Gloomhaven because uh, I love playing that solo. Um, but it is, um, yeah, my, my my friend hasn't really kind of sort of got got stuck into Gloomhaven so to speak yet. So Mage Knight's been, yeah, the consistent one. But yeah, do love it. Love playing new stuff too. I think that's a theme about a lot of people in this hobby. The cult of the new is uh, you know very well known, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean I, I need to put my blinkers on sometimes with. With the new stuff that's constantly coming out, I mean, sort of like now with with your everything at a sort of a, a click away, kind of like in terms of blogs and reviews and everything. I mean, you could just you could go bankrupt so quickly with the kind of like 
the uh, the cardboard and uh, and plastic kind of addiction that I that I certainly have. Um, I mean, there's, there's, I've still got shrink wrap stuff. That's awful to say. I've still got shrink wrap stuff in, in in the cupboard, which I haven't sort of like you know. You look at the box, and I'm like, oh god, I want to get into this at some point. Um, but uh, but yeah, just one thing at a time. <laughs> I've st- I've still got stuff from last year's expo that hasn't been un- unwrapped yet. So. I know, I know, and it's not a comment on those games either. It's just the fact that kind of, sort of there's only so much time in a day, you know, yeah. Kind of like, especially when you're trying to hold down a day job and make a game at the same time as well. Kind of like things. Sort of a lot of game time goes into playtesting and stuff, which is which is great because uh, you know I love doing it. Um, but at the same time, um, sometimes like I messaged a, a friend the other day who's been also kind of uh, kind of testing the game and showing it off and stuff, and I was like, dude, we need to get there and just play something, play something else because uh, I need to uh, I need to get some more games in my life because I think kind of it's nice to kind of like get that inspiration from other games too, um, rather than kind of like limit yourself to kind of playing the same things and you know uh, there's there's so many kind of like innovative designs that are coming out that. Um, you know, it's great to um, it's great to kind of spread it around. So Ray mentioned in your intro, and you've just said you've got a day job and you're a graphic designer by trade. So um, how did you get into that first of all? And also, this Kickstarter that you're going to be running for Hero Master isn't your first Kickstarter. You've already run some in the last couple of years for stuff that you've designed. So um, if you can just tell us about those as well and how those Kickstarters went. Yeah, sure, absolutely, no problem. Um, so uh, so yeah, I mean it's. Graphic design-wise, I, I guess I would say I'm more of an illustrator than a graphic designer uh, most of the time because I tend to do uh, book covers and work on board games uh, illustration. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I got into that sort of really. I, I, I went to art college and um, and enjoyed art college to an extent. Um, I kind of uh, didn't necessarily completely fit in with the with the kind of um, kind of arty attitude. I kind of wanted to do kind of more, I just wanted to draw monsters and stuff, which wasn't really on the uh, curriculum. Um, so after a year of that, I stopped and actually went in to do um, uh, media, so I did video and stuff, um, and did a degree in that. Uh, and then when I came out of that, I ended up as a restaurant manager, which again was great. And I learned some sort of really good sort of management skills and, and, and sort of had some responsibility and, and, and enjoyed that kind of part of my life, but kind of fundamentally kind of realized that there was something missing. Yeah. So I went back and studied game design uh, at college. Um, so uh, uh, that was cool. And I kind of did a lot of concept art while I was doing the game design course. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I did that, ended up kind of getting a job, um, with a very independent, small, um, Brighton, uh, video game studio, uh, doing art for them. And yeah, then kind of sort of like kind of moved to London, did some more work for other companies and, uh, and then finally went freelance. So kind of like uh, at that point I, I ended up doing uh, more book covers and board games and sort of stuff that wasn't, um, so digital, um, uh, still digital art, but not, um, kind of done, you know, sort of like not like a video game or what have you. Um, and that's kind of where I started to realize that my, my strengths sort of were because um, being a uh, an artist, I kind of felt self-sufficient. And I started to kind of like doodle around with kind of like making up my own designs and stuff and, and bits and pieces. And and, uh, and yeah, so kind of that, that enabled me to kind of open a few doors, which then eventually led on to, uh, as you say, about the Kickstarters that I did um, prior to this one, uh, which uh, have all been uh, greetings cards campaigns. Um, so all successful, which is great, really pleased. Um, you know, small campaign campaigns, but but kind of you know uh, sort of reasonable goals and, and and you know kind of achievable uh, and sort of satisfied people, and it's given me a kind of good insight into Kickstarter and sort of delivering on Kickstarter, which is great. Um, so I'm really pleased with that kind of experience too, and I kind of feel like I'm not a complete sort of you know fish out of water hmm. um, to start off with. But uh, but yeah, one of them was the Hero Master greetings cards, which you've probably seen, I'm sure, um, and uh, and that kind of was was sort of kind of formed an art test, I guess for. Um, for Hero Master uh, to kind of sort of see how it was received and 
Uh, it was a bit more kind of meta because it's sort of like it was a bit more about the DM and stuff and kind of like you know terrible players, maybe more than than uh, than the characters themselves. And, and then sort of with Hero Master, I kind of uh, sorry did the game, uh, an epic game of epic fails. Um, I wanted to move kind of more into the disastrous heroes and kind of sort of like you know the the guys that you probably played in kind of disastrous campaigns and stuff in the past, which have been probably some of the more memorable because you're like oh, I remember that time when you know everybody wiped and blah 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 and this and the other and kind of um, you know. Uh, those kind of funny moments. So that's kind of where it came about. And also, kind of, it was it was an opportunity to test the test the kind of humour because they were silly kind of cards with with kind of that sort of like everything's going wrong type type of humour. Um, you know, where the barbarian is, is sort of like mistaken the the shape shifting druid for you know he's turned into a bear, so he's gone and slain the bear in the woods, and he's realised that he's taken out his best mate. So um, that sort of thing, kind of just just really stupid stuff, or kind of like the collateral damage of a, of a wizard's fireball getting a bit overexcited and just sort of releasing it into the middle of a, his party and stuff. So, yeah, just kind of that that sort of thing, and it really sort of led on to kind of like those moments and, and how I could manipulate those moments into kind of cards and and and, and sort of give these 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 characters personalities. So kind of so the wizard is this pompous guy who kind of like doesn't really care about collateral damage uh, or kind of doesn't really pay attention to what he's doing. So he might polymorph a, a little goblin into into a, a giant uh, without kind of like you know. Sort of trying to trying to help the help the team, but not. Um, and the 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 barbarian is just kind of so oaf like and massive that he's just like clumsy and crashes into everyone, gets in everyone's way. And though all of those are represented with kind of like you know the stereotypical attacks that you might get. Say for example, the barbarian he can rage and, and get really sort of pumped up, and and, and that's his attacks. Uh, and that's great because you want to take out the monsters, but um, you know they've also got their kind of innate stupid traits as well, like uh, which are the bungles, where yeah, as I say, the barbarian's got no spatial awareness and. And the rogue is really untrustworthy, so no one kind of likes him being around, so it kind of puts them off their stroke. And yeah, so it's kind of like it's, it's showing both sides, like kind of like the characteristics of them, kind of the positives and the negatives. And uh, and yeah, and, and and mayhem ensues. So um, so yeah, sorry, I kind of ticked, like kind of touched on 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 Hero Master, the epic game of epic fails there uh, briefly, but I'm sure um, you've probably got questions about that, so I'll leave that for now. That was actually going to be our next question. Sure, yeah, go for it. What's the what's the question? Well, the next question is, what is Hero Master about? <laughs> yeah, but you've just, you've just answered that, so I yeah. guess, yeah, I guess we can uh, we can skip over that. Sure, no problem. Uh, maybe um, maybe we should ask instead how how does the game play mechanically? What's it what's it similar to? Sure, no problem. Uh, so um, Hero Master uh, is, as I say, uh, very sort of briefly before. Uh, it's about playing the worst heroes uh, imaginable. Instead of being the uh, bold and the brave, you you guys are the last ones picked for gym class, the last ones picked for a party, everything. Like you cannot uh, find uh, work for love nor money. So it, it, essentially, you decide to club together really reluctantly with these other buffoons around you, and um, and go on a kind of prove it quest to uh, to slay a dragon and, and take the horde and hopefully kind of buy your way into another party. Now. Bearing in mind that you feel that you're above all this and and and, uh, and you can't really stand the guys around you, you're, you you don't care whether they live or die in the whole thing. You're kind of just trying to get through and, and get your get your loot and that's it. So um, so yeah, it's it's a competitive game. Um, there is the sort of main feature is hand management. So you have a like a, a hand that reloads each time you are uh, move location. Uh, and in a location, there's a number of monsters to fight and treasures to get and what have you. And, and there's a there's a finite kind of uh, amount of locations within the game that are kind of drawn. So you'll play different ones each time you play, but you kind of form a deck of uh, of those. And when when you pull the Dragon's Den card, which would be in the last few cards, um, that's when the big showdown with the dragon happens, and uh, the dragon 
she's worth a lot of uh, a lot of gold so it's worth taking her on but it might mean that you kind of like maybe haven't built up enough to kind of face her or it just means that you're going to try and scupper everybody else doing it because you know that essentially you don't want anybody else to come out looking better than you so if you can't do it you're going to sure as hell make sure they can't do it so there is take that in there as well so the idea is that you're playing um cards to attack these monsters but um you've got to be careful because other people will be playing their bungle cards on you which are cards that reduce your stats to fight the monster um they also increase your threshold of a critical fail which are essentially like mayhem cards like kind of uh, because you guys are so accident prone you kind of often come out sort of smelling of roses so uh, you know you might pull a critical fail card and it's a case that you've kind of swung your axe so wildly that you spun around and end up in the same position no one's noticed so you've taken the card back and you can probably have another go at your attack um or it might mean that you've kind of like swung and hit the person next to you their purse has exploded and gold flies everywhere so um when you critically fail yeah stuff bad bad stuff happens you might get wounded or or what have you or you know kind of knock, knock yourself out but uh but you know chances are um just it's a general mayhem will it will ensue so um yeah it's kind of sort of like a bit of a you know it mitigates the kind of like the the um sort of reducing your power of your attacks by kind of giving it a bit of a kind of like whoa what's going to happen um and uh and yeah so basically on on, on the roll of a, of a d20 rather than rolling a one you might a critical fail might mean that a critical uh sorry a bungle might mean a critical fail is rolled on on like a one to eight or or, or something similar um so they happen much more frequently um but the main kind of core of the game is i mean you're obviously kind of like your, your kind of tip for tat with each other with kind of bungs and what have you. The party leader is so important. It's basically like the first player token, but you guys are squabbling to be party leader. You don't respect each other. You're kind of totally insubordinate. You're trying to uh, usurp each other constantly and kind of prove yourself. So the party leader changes hands when someone kill, kills them, defeats a monster. Um, and uh, because everyone just kind of goes, oh, okay, concedes to you that you've defeated the monster. Um, or it might be that you play uh, one of your cards, which kind of like, for example, the elf is, is constantly hoity-toity, uh, assumes that because they were the first race to grace the earth, that they should be first in everything else. So they should be the leader, of course. Um, uh, it might be that the human is just so dopey and, 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 and blissfully unaware of everything that she just charges into combat straight away, which she assumes the party leader role. Um, so you're kind of playing these cards, but you've got three slots on your board that you're trying to um, manipulate and play cards in the right slots, and you've got to lay them down in order. So do you play your kind of steal the party leader token first to become the party leader? Probably not, because you're going to imagine that someone else is going to try and play one and steal it back from you. Uh, or will they be saving that for another monster? You know, kind of like different attacks have different strengths versus different monsters, so um, people will be saving throughout the dungeons. So that's where the hand management comes in. It kind of like becomes a real strategic kind of sort of like um, quite a lot of bluffing as well, because you're sort of like trying to place cards down to lure people into using their bungles on those cards to then come out with, you know your strongest card at the, at the end or but that means that you know for each one of those attacks that you're laying down you're going to be attacked by the monster as well so you're trying to kind of stay alive at the same time um so it's, it's kind of sort of like yeah you're managing uh, uh that sort of uh that, that those those three slots um and and sort of for example the rogue um can uh, manipulate that a lot more because uh, the rogue is really sneaky and can sneak in and out of combat take cards back and what have you mm-hmm. um and that's their kind of sort of like superpower essentially um so uh so yeah it's a lot of it's, it's, that, that that part of it is my is, is my favorite part and i'm so pleased that that kind of coupled with the, the party leader which is so important it's integral to that kind of part um how does it play i guess there's elements of, of, of uh in terms of uh, you know other other games um there's or certainly kind of influences from 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 everywhere D is a massive one because obviously it's got a, it's got the d20 and that was a, a purposeful kind of homage to to, to D. i wanted people to kind of be playing this game and feel like it was a comic version of 
you know, a D and D, like it's like a, you know, um, so you're still rolling a D20, you're still trying to hit stuff. Um, but, uh, but there's elements kind of like, uh, and I'm afraid to say that I haven't actually played Smash Up, but, uh, I've been told that the, the, the combination of, of cards, uh, between, uh, when you're creating, you're here at the start, so you're creating a, you get a deck of cards for your race and a deck of cards for your class, and you kind of bundle those together, um, and, uh, to create your character. So that, I think that's kind of like a, like a, like a smash up thing. I did a bit of research into it once someone told me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's obviously take that and, and what have you. And there's, there's, there's a, there's a moving party leader, uh, first player token, um, kind of mechanics too. So there's influences from, from, from all over really. Um, but I'd say kind of sort of fundamentally the, the, the kind of the major kind of one is, is a combination of Dungeons and Dragons and then kind of the humor comes from probably quite a lot of British, you know, underdog useless character type humor um you know your your, your basil faulties and stuff you know where they're, they're desperately trying but you know it's just never going to work yeah so uh so yeah um but i mean there'll be uh come sort of during the kickstarter there will be a how to play video and there'll be um kind of various different kind of like run-throughs of people who have played the game previewed the game and stuff so you should be able to get a good look at um of how it plays I've, I've also been working on some gifts and stuff to kind of make things a bit easy to kind of to understand on how you boost your, you know, kind of attacks and stuff to defeat monsters and, and manipulate blades. So, um, so yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's talk about the Kickstarter campaign then. So um, you're obviously putting this one on Kickstarter the same as your previous projects. I'm guessing that's, right. that's just because of how well they've done. And I guess Kickstarter at the moment for board games is the the place for crowdfunding. Um, but what have also have you learned from your previous projects that you'll be bringing into this one? Well, I mean, sort of, uh, certainly that there's 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 bits and pieces that I've learned from those projects. Probably a lot of like kind of as well as you know the fact that they're successful and stuff. I think they could have been maybe um, more successful with a, sort of more marketing or kind of like maybe a bit more kind of careful planning and, and, and what have you. Um, and I think the past few years of talking to, um, I mean, the industry is great. Like as as you know, you, you meet so many people who are willing to help you, willing to kind of sort of you know expand the industry uh you know just for the sake of the industry and uh so I've, I've, I've you know now fortunately very very fortunately kind of fallen in with quite a few different desire you know kind of existing publishers um gonzalo from thundergriff uh, games who, who sort of has just done tang garden um and uh, and they've been absolutely uh fundamental to my learning i mean sort of literally kind of taking me through figures and and helping me understand how things work and uh and doing a lot of like blog reading and stuff they're sort of uh, Anyone who's who's designing games at the moment will know about the James Maffey, um I think that's, his, that's the right pronunciation of his name, uh, blogs and the Jamie Stegmeier um, uh, blogs. The guy who made part of the team who made Scythe, um, and and those those have just been incredible, like to understand. I mean, sort of um, obviously, kind of there's there's new techniques and stuff that come out, and it's sort of like learning all the time. But yeah, I was, I was saying to someone the other day, it kind of feels like I've been studying a degree. Alongside, like, kind of doing this because you're learning the business side as well, and it's incredible. So, yeah, I think for me this time, the difference that I've done is is put a lot more kind of juice into kind of like making the Kickstarter look really nice, um, and uh, and doing all that kind of quality research and and putting some 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 serious money into marketing and stuff. And I think that's kind of um, that's that's hopefully going to be telling when the campaign comes out. I, just, I keep sort of like kind of going back and looking at my little marketing list and making sure everything's kind of ticking along. But um, but yeah, no, it's um, I think it's really important to kind of make sure that. You know, you get one shot at a first impression, right? So it's kind of making sure that it all, all, all looks okay. And, and, and there's so many, such a capacity of kind of Kickstarter market out for board games that, you know, you could sink quite quickly if you, if you don't stand out. So it's, um, I've been trying to do that. And hopefully the theme, the art is, is what will pull people in and hopefully they'll stay for the gameplay, you know? So, 
Um, that's the uh, that's the plan. I think that kind of generally kind of sums up. Unfortunately, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but we all know that that's that's usually not the case, not the case. So uh, so that's why that's been really important to me. And you know, fr- from an art side of things, like it's and I can see how people's um, Kickstarter budgets will spiral because you know just the amount of time that I've put into kind of making sure that I've got the, the right assets for the uh, the campaign page and, and everything kind of, you know, I've spent money on, on, on videos and, and um, you know, all that sort of stuff to make it sort of jazz it up too. Uh, new software and stuff that I've kind of looked into and, and bought and, and learned and stuff. It's been amazing. I've absolutely loved it. Like I, I definitely feel that kind of, I didn't suit education when I was younger, but, but certainly do now. <laughs> so uh, and I think that's probably, I imagine for most people kind of feel like that now, they kind of like feel that they can absorb, or, or are more interested in what's going on now, and, and you can tailor the learning to to what feels relevant. And, and, and right now, this this is uh, this has been great. Uh, we're probably getting a little bit ahead of ourselves at the moment, but do you have any future plans for Hero Master post Kickstarter? Are you going to be aiming to put it out to retail distribution, for example? Yeah, um, good question. I, well, I think kind of again, like you know, with the, with the, with the guys I've been talking to, uh, industry wise and stuff, and having conversations with them, and it's been again trying to um, find a happy balance between kind of making backers feel that they are um, <clears throat> really kind of um, getting a, a great deal on, on Kickstarter, and then kind of making sure that retailers aren't going to be um, completely undercut by Kickstarter, so that they kind of there's there's a product to to then sell on afterwards. So that's a, that's a balance I've been trying to achieve. Definitely, definitely want to to kind of take this into distribution and, and retail. Um, I think that's sort of really important. I've sort of been trying to talk to as many retailers who are happy to talk to me about kind of what they look for. Um, so that's that's one thing. I mean, sort of, I want to continue to make content for Hero Master, you know, based on hopefully, you know, if it's if it's successful, it's a very modular game. You know, kind of as I say, you can you can tailor the the length of the game, the number of locations. There might be a uh, be a campaign possibly uh, kind of in in the wings. Um, because at the moment it's sort of, you, you do standalone uh, games, but there's, there's no reason why you couldn't take the same characters on and continue to play through um, different kind of uh, different levels or kind of like mm-hmm. you know sort of like kind of like uh, to, to continue to level up. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of part of it. There's, there's, I'd love to do. I mean, at the moment this is very much like a dragons, orcs, and goblins type kind of classic fantasy um, campaign. I, I'd really love to do an undead one at some point as well. That'd be really fun got some ideas for kind of like you know going through and smashing open tombs and seeing what's in there and stuff and so that'd be kind of fun um so yeah i mean obviously kind of with with you know on a smaller side not kind of ginormous new um campaign campaign settings and stuff but there's there's scope for new characters and um you know kind of new monsters and bits and pieces that just kind of like tweak the gameplay slightly um yeah um so yeah certainly i i'm 100 percent invested in in hero master and you know um, really enjoying it, uh, and uh, and would love to see it kind of continue its 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 kind of momentum, um, you know, long after the Kickstarter. Cool. As a as a designer, if someone was to come up to you and say, "I'm thinking about," you know, they listen to this, they say, "Oh, I think I could make a game." What would be your top tips for that for that person? Um, to I mean, if it's go go for it, make a game. If you want to make a game commercially, uh, it's a whole different ball game. Like, but I'd always encourage people to make games play themselves and have fun with because that's that's a joy in itself um you know kind of like if you sort of like you, you nail something that kind of your friends really like well but that's probably where some of the great, great ideas come from you know but uh but commercially just research like loads and don't and, and just and just you know try not to get too carried away down one line before you've kind of sort of properly researched it because i think you could probably end up spending a lot of money and and, and launching a campaign 
uh, half cocked without even realizing it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think research is key. I think the other thing uh, which I would always say, and it was advised to me, and I try to do it as best as I can, is to build an audience early because a lot of people, I think, get to kickstart and think that is the marketing tool. But the, it's it, it's a great marketing tool um, if you've got momentum already. And I think that's that's super important is to kind of sort of to, to, to go out there and do that bit. So if you're not up for that and you just want to design games, then team up with someone who is up for that. Um, you know, talking to uh, the guys from Grimlord Games uh, who have done Endure the Stars, Village Attacks, and they're currently working on the Everrain. Um, great guys, super, super helpful, like kind of some of the nicest guys uh, you can possibly meet. Uh, one of them is very, very creative. The other one is much more business. And, they, you know, they've got a great team together. Um, I am trying to do it all myself. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's it's great. Uh, you know, kind of sort of like I definitely kind of feel that I've got um, stronger in my weaker areas, which is which is really cool. But it doesn't mean I don't ask for help every now and then, you know. And, and there's, there's, I'm fortunate enough to have people around me who will, you know, cast an eye over things or kind of run me through things or even... Mike from Grimlord, you know who you are, uh, giving me hour and a half long conversations when he's supposed to be having dinner. Um, you know, so um, yeah, really lucky. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I'd always pay it forward. I think kind of sort of like, there's already someone who's contacted me, kind of think off the back of here and Masters Marketing and stuff, and it looked like it's sort of becoming a um, a bit more established. I think he's kind of interested in doing the same thing, and so I'm kind of like you know I've directed him to the to the blogs that I read and, and, and bits and pieces, and, and hopefully he'll. You'll get a lot of it like I, I've got out from other people. So um, I would always, I think, I think it's, I, I love, I love how friendly it is. And I like, I, I would always want to kind of like think that people felt that I was approachable and, and able to come and ask me questions too. Hmm. Awesome. Um, so I suppose we're on to our last question now. Cool. Um, which is a little bit more hypothetical, uh, imagination-y type thing. <laughs> so it is, if you could make a video game into a board game or vice versa which one would you pick and why oh my goodness uh well they just i've just seen an announcement sorry to, to completely flip reverse that the other way around just saying that they've made an announcement in the past kind of few months for quite a while ago now for necromunda i don't know if you guys have ever played that it's absolutely love that game uh, from games workshop uh, that's now being made a video game so that's just made my dreams come true um but uh what would it be? I'm playing a lot of Total War at the moment. I'm playing a lot of Warhammer Total War. See, you can see a theme here. There's a lot of yeah. Games Workshop themes like flying around. Um, that is 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 a lot of fun. I'm trying to think, what would it be? I mean, sort of, it'd have it'd still have to be a turn-based strategy, which sounds like it's not very inventive because essentially it lends itself so well to board games. But um, I think I would want to play like a really deep like XCOM that wasn't the XCOM that has been released to board game, like yeah. one that was much more squad based and kind of sort of like, you know, kind of sort of progression based and, you know, like, cause I just fell in love with those, with those guys when I was, when I was playing it. Uh, so I, I would, uh, you know, to then be able to paint the models and, and kind of like, you know, have them in your hand and have them on your shelf when you're kind of like anticipating playing a game would be so cool. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see that. And I'd love to see that kind of like maybe sort of like that you would play against someone who could, who could be the aliens. That'd be really awesome. Uh, and they would be developing their kind of little strategies too. So yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Um, that's weird because I, I usually love fantasy stuff, and that's that's very sci-fi. So, um, but yeah, I, I what I really love in games, and this is why I kind of like you know, as I say, uh, my less than hush hush because I keep talking about it um, campaign. Um, but I really like the kind of sort of like when you play a game, there's kind of like a meta game in the background. So kind of sort of like you know, and, and that's what kind of really got me with, with XCOM. So you kind of go out and do these kind of squad-based missions. 
um, but then you, you kind of come back to base and you're kind of like researching technology and skilling up and you know kind of like trying to manage that sort of side of things too and I I kind of love that I think I love the sort of management side of things so um, maybe that's why I like doing the creative stuff and the management stuff in game design yeah maybe just stumbled across that there there we go <laughs> um, yeah I guess that would be it without without thinking too deeply and probably wasting another half an hour of kind of like would I wouldn't I yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that no, that's cool. You're the first person we've asked that question to. I th- we think this is going to be our new uh, our new outro question for the. Oh no, no, I've got to come up with something better. No, uh, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so thanks again, Jamie, for uh, spending a bit of time chatting to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, um, guys. No, I appreciate it. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Why don't you just let everyone know uh, details about when the campaign is going to hit and where people can go to find out more information about you and the game? That's a really good idea. Um, <laughs> and I would have I would have forgotten had you not prompted me. Uh, so the game will be launched on Kickstarter. It's called Hero Master, an epic game of epic fails. It will be launched on the 18th of September uh, on Kickstarter. Uh, you can find out more information uh, at thenobleartist.com slash Hero Master Game. Uh, or you can also go to the Facebook group, which you're very welcome to come and join. There's a great community there, really cool people. Um, over almost a 1,000 people now, which is awesome. Uh, and that is, if you just search Hero Master Game, on Facebook, it should pop up, and you'll be able to see my kind of fun, silly, chaotic artwork on there that will kind of prompt you to go and have a look. Um, so yeah, please come and check it out and see what you think, and uh, and, and and come and find me with any questions, like whether it be game design re- related or, or Hero Master related. I'd love to to hear from you. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. So thanks again, Jamie, for chatting to us. I'll put the links on the website and everything so uh, people can find out more about. Hero Master, an epic game of epic fails, if they want to. And uh, yeah, that's it for another episode. That's officially our three-year anniversary episode done. So everyone knows, or they should know, unless you're listening for the first time. And if you are, where have you been for the last three years? Um, You can follow us on the social media platform of your choice, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Just do forward slash Togcast, T-O-G-Cast at the end of the URL. To listen to us, you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer, or you can search us on your podcast platform of choice. Um, We're on YouTube as well, but because of the way YouTube works, we have a horrible web address. So just go to our website, offlinegamer.co.uk, and you can find all of our YouTube videos as well as links to everything we've just said. If you want to get in touch um, about anything on today's show, future shows, or the uh, ominous crowdfunding campaign, yep. please drop us an email um, on offlinegamerpodcast at gmail.com, or alternatively, you can use the contact form on our website. So yeah, thanks again, everyone. And for those of you who've been with us since the beginning, thank you for sticking with us for three years. Yeah. I know there's at least a few of you. <laughs> I know. Don't know how you do it. No, I don't. Don't know how we do it. Well, we don't have to listen to it afterwards. Oh, well, I do when I edit you it. Do. <laughs> yeah, but you have to listen to it so many times that it probably has no meaning by the end no, of it. No, no, yeah. It's just noise. <laughs> I can recognise errors by their um, waveform there, though. Yes. I can just look at it and go, oh, yeah, there's an er there. Let's get rid of that. So. Yeah. Expert. Ah, the joys of editing. Expert audio editor here, oh, well. Matt Warwick. Hopefully uh, there'll be lots more audio editing to be done in the future and video editing. Yes. So that's it. It's been great. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next month for the start of year four. Whoop, whoop. Bye. Bye. Bye.